What's up guys? How's it going? This is Dave and it's Wednesday night at 6.45 so that's gotta mean that it's time for the Good Work Live. Thank you if you're watching live on Facebook or if you're listening to this later through your Facebook feed or on YouTube or even through our podcast which actually exists so if you'd rather just listen than look and I know a lot of people would rather do that uh, well, you can find us on iTunes, uh, The Good Work Project uh, on iTunes, and uh, SoundCloud too, I think. So, uh, there's that option. How you doing? Uh, I hope your week is going great. Uh, mine's been super busy. Uh, I always feel like I want to like jam a bunch of information your way, but it's not always the best thing to do. I, I do want to say, um, a lot of you who are in Phoenix and who are part of the on the ground community they're doing stuff with us uh, thank you a lot of you have begun joining us for some of the dinners that we've started hosting and putting together we've got more on the way and we're gonna have even more for April and May so even if you've been to one uh, we're gonna invite you to another one real soon and if you haven't been invited yet uh, shake me down and ask why because that's a really good question we're trying to invite everyone to a dinner uh, to meet new folks, new really cool people, make some new friends, and uh, find out uh, what's going on and, and where we may be able to hang out and do some cool things together. So be on the look for that on the Facebook page, uh, the website, our newsletters that we send out also. Now, what was it that I wanted to tell you next? Uh, our second big kindness project just wrapped up uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And I wanted to say thank you. Uh, about two and a half, three weeks ago, uh, Ashley, one of our Good Work community members, let us know that there was a need. Uh, a young woman that worked with her father named Naomi uh, was about to take in custody of a number of kids. And she needed mattresses and clothes, bedding and a car seat. Uh, and they came to us and asked for help. And as always, we try to be uh, uh, optimistic but but realistic we don't ever know exactly how people are gonna help but for the second time in a row you all you all just showed up in an enormous way you gave hundreds of dollars we were able to buy four brand new mattresses uh, we donated lots of clothes uh, the school supplies were donated a brand new car seat was bought uh, we were able to fulfill a lot of the initial needs that Naomi needs for this new family that she is building and bringing around her. So in the past four months, uh, we've taken on two families and we've raised thousands of dollars uh, for something that was very, very important, very much an immediate need. And uh, you, you stepped up, you didn't even blink and uh, I am grateful. We don't ever want to take advantage of your generosity, but when we do see these things that are really important, we're obviously going to to jump on them and try to help in any way that we can. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to Ashley, who was the uh, the coordinator, the point person on this. Thank you to all who get you, who have given, and those who couldn't give, but you still give through the Arantis Project, you helped too. Just through your regular gifts, we were able to use some of those funds to uh, help complete this effort. So. That was amazing. Um, thank you. I do want to let you know that we have a couple of groups starting up. We want to be real specific and, and we didn't want to just throw a group out that didn't have any context or meaning, but 
There is a mom's group that's going to be starting up right after Easter. If you're interested in that, I can get you in touch with those people. And it's not going to be like a mom, how to mom group. There's a million of those and they're probably can do it better than, than we could. Maybe, maybe not, but maybe. Uh, but this one's going to be more about your personhood beyond just being a mom and uh, recognizing and dignifying the, the, the humanity in you, the adult woman in you. So there's going to be that type of group. Um, I probably described it real poorly, but I can get you in touch with uh, the folks who will be helping to coordinate that. If you're interested in that, they're going to meet all different kinds of times and places, and they'll have an online forum. So look forward to that. Also, I've got a guys group that we are starting to kick off. Uh, and it's for all types of guys uh, with lots of experience, with not a lot of experience, uh, single, single parent dads, uh, nuclear family dads, guys who aren't dads at all, the employed, the unemployed, all shapes and sizes. We're just going to get guys together to rub elbows with each other and to have positive, encouraging relationships because it doesn't feel like guys always have that. So we want to create a, just a positive environment. If you're interested in that, do reach out to me because we're starting to get together this week, but we'll meet on all kinds of different times and places with that as well. But I want to let you know about those two groups. And of course, there will be more to come. So uh, go to the website, thegoodwork.org, and uh, sign up for the newsletter so that you can keep up on what's happening or like the Facebook page, The Good Work, and you can find out more then. Whew, it always feels like... I've got like a fire hose worth of information and I hope that's cool because I'm really excited about all the things that are going on and I want, I want as many people to know about this as possible. So if you're enjoying this, definitely share this video in your feed or shoot it as an email or tell someone about the podcast. Uh, the more people that hear about this, the more people uh, I think will get behind it, will support it, will help this thing really take wings and grow on its own. But it really is going to require you uh, to to share it if it's meaningful to you. So I hope I hope we're hitting that. And if we're not, tell me and help me figure out what we got to do, because this is about helping all of us with our purpose in life and our compassion and our kindness. And we want to make sure we're hitting that right. Enough of the sell job. So, anyways, tonight. I want to talk to you uh, about a story I've done once or twice in some context, but I think the majority of you who would be watching this tonight don't know this. So, um, in December of 2017, I got a new tattoo. I know, shocker. And uh, the way things are set up and because I'm wearing clothes, I'm not going to show it to you right now, but you could probably look it up on my Instagram. Um, I got a tattoo of a flamingo on my leg and I know that seems a little weird uh, but if you know me you know that weird isn't outside of my comfort zone uh, but I did get that tattoo for a really specific reason and I want to tell you that story tonight um, you know the majority of my tattoos have a story to them uh, some of them don't some of them are just fun but the flamingo one actually did have meaning and it's because about eight months ago I did a study on flamingos as a guy who has worked in faith communities his whole life would do, right? Well, I was doing the study because someone pointed me in that direction and said, hey, 
This is one of those don't judge a book by its cover type stories. You really need to check out The Life of a Flamingo. So I listened, listened uh, to some podcasts, watched some videos, read some research from Cornell University, and I am here to tell you tonight that no matter what your presupposition of the flamingo is, that it is one of the toughest, most resilient, badass animals on this little round blue marble. Hands down. I can hear it now. How? How is that possible, Dave? They're pink and they have sticks for legs and they're goofy and they're probably pretty dumb. And I understand that because our, our cartoonists and our storytellers in mass media have turned flamingos into weird, freakish, odd-looking, just circus acts, that they're goofy, they're not good for a whole lot. But a handful of years ago, Cornell University and some independent researchers said, you know, we really want to understand this strange, awkward bird. So they did this multi-year, completely elaborate study to check out what the life of a flamingo was like. And what they found began to just completely astonish them. The first thing that they found out was that while a lot of us assume flamingos live on like the Florida coast or you know wetlands, low-lying, chill, just very relaxed, beach, beach, you know, beach button-down shirt type weather type places. Flamingos have homes, have places where they roost and nest and eat and breed that are above elevations of 17,000 feet in South America. And when you are a bird that does need marshland water and you're the type of bird that needs sometimes to live at 17,000 feet, you're going to run into a problem. Because at night, at that high elevation, many times throughout the year, the water will freeze. And what the flamingo does is really unique. While a lot of birds would get out of the water, try to hit elevation, try to find warmth in bushes, trees, a thacket, whatever, the flamingo's feet stay in the water. The water freezes over the flamingo's feet and the flamingo will stand there. Won't try to break out We'll just stand there and fall asleep. They will sleep till the next morning when the sun rises and the air temperature warms and the ice begins to melt away. The flamingo's feet have these calloused kind of fingernaily bits all over them that allow them to sleep with their feet under frozen water because they're tough and they're ridiculously resilient. Another study that, that these researchers found was that if they weren't up there, they were in the marshlands. But marshlands are interesting in that there's a lot of chemical changes, chemical elements going on, a lot of changes with plant life, animal life, uh, sulfuric water, different things like that. So the researchers went down to some of these areas that weren't habitated by a lot of people, but had large populations of flamingos and they went there and the flamingos raised their young in these toxic sulfuric acidic waters 
They pick their food from that water. They, 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 they washed, they drank, they lived in this really destructive environment. An environment that's so destructive that some of the researchers discovered that if they were to stay too long in that same water, that the skin on their hands would begin to slough off. It was so acidic and so toxic. And yet the flamingo breeds and lives and drinks in that water. Third thing they found out. Another place about location and water. Another place that they found that flamingos regularly live are near hot sulfur springs. So not only do you have that chemical element again, but you have waters that near the boiling point. And what do the flamingos do? They stand in it and they drink that water. And they live. And I sat there and I did all this research and I, I was trying to process all of this stuff about this bird that just looks like the weakest, goofiest cartoon character that we could come up with. And I recognized, like, the science and the study behind it is actually that it's an incredibly adaptable bird that has gone through so much over thousands and thousands and thousands of years of change and it has adapted to difficult climates, not just to avoid predators, but to thrive in those places where its own growth and natural evolution strengthens it. And to be real honest, it just inspired me. It was one of those things where I look at nature, or I look at creation and I say, holy cow, like there is something bigger going on in that story. Because here's, here's, here's what I mean by that. Because you and I have faced incredibly toxic things in our life. Relationships that if they were a, a, a liquid element could slough the skin right off of our bodies. We've had jobs that felt like we were frozen in them. That we couldn't move our feet. That we couldn't do anything about it. We have been under pressure family responsibilities, deadlines, expectations of our partners, and we felt the heat all around us. And while a lot of times it seems like it's the easiest thing to do uh, is to give up, just to fall over, to lay down, to acquiesce, to quit, time after time after time, people like you have stood strong in the most adverse situations. Even when you felt awkward about it, even when you felt like the poorest designed thing that ought not to be in that environment, you stood strong in it. And even in a world that just seems to be crumbling around this false binary that we continue to create and pass on as reality, that there's only black or white, a one or a zero. You stand in the midst of a lot of difficult things and you are finding ways not only to survive, but to thrive. That to me is powerful. The image of all of those flamingos, you remember those pictures of those videos you can watch online with all the flamingos walking awkwardly together? 
man, I, I like see that as an idealized form of community. Yeah, it may not look pretty. It may look pretty freaking awkward, but they're doing it together and together as units, they survive and they live in difficult circumstances. And you know what? They even do it really well. You and I, to a certain extent, are flamingos. We face challenges that it sure shooting seems like we can't get over, and yet somehow we keep persisting. And I'm of the mind that we do that because of love. We do that because we know there's something bigger and more important out there. We do that because of what we believe our calling or our purpose is. We believe that because we believe compassion and kindness are the ultimate way to live amongst each other. We believe that the traumatic, acidic, destructive things in our life will not define us. You're a flamingo just like me. And so I got a tattoo of a flamingo. Oh, oh Dave. So check this out. I'm going to end with this. One of my favorite authors, uh, Stephen Pressfield, talks about resistance. So I think uh, this flamingo story... And I think about uh, it being the resistance, resistance against thriving, against accomplishing our goals, finding our purpose, living our most full life. This is how Stephen Pressfield describes uh, resistance. Resistance is a repelling force. It's negative. Its aim is to shove us away, to distract us, prevent us from doing our work. Resistance is insidious. Resistance will reason with you like a lawyer or jam a 9mm in your face like a stick-up man. Resistance is always lying and is always full of shit. Though it feels malevolent, resistance in fact operates with the indifference of rain and transits the heavens and transits the heavens by the same law as stars. When we marshal our forces to combat resistance, we must remember this. We face a lot of challenges. It's my hope that in your joining us on this journey, in this project we call The Good Work, we can face resistance together and thrive in pulling each other up into health and joy and love. Thanks. You guys are awesome. Have a great rest of your week. If you ever want to reach out to me, I'm Dave at thegoodwork.org. That's my email. Or find me on Facebook or Instagram. Okay? Okay. Bye-bye.